Derek Wetmore. Wetmore. Now batting. From 15, now batting. Derek Wetmore. Number, number what? Number two. Hailing from. No, he wouldn't get into that. No. It would just be Wetmore. Number what two. Wetmore. You know my, my Touch nick- em All podcast. When I played baseball, my nickname was the 1-3 Special, and I'll let you guys guess why. Yeah. If you needed a ground out, to the a pitcher? meek ground out, 15 feet there in front of home There might be no plate. greater insult than to be known as the 1-3 Special. I think I told you guys about my last ever competitive baseball game. It was a town ball game for Buffalo, uh, the Buffalo Bulldogs. I so I believe this. made it to the state tournament this year. So and they play sometime this week. Without you? Clearly without me. This is like 10 plus years ago. And uh, I, I batted five times. I went 0 for 5. With two strikeouts and three bases loaded, ground into double plays, two of them right back to the pitcher. Oh, wow. Does it count if it's a double play? Is, are you only leaving two guys on base then, or do you get credit no. for that third one, too? Yeah, no, you get all the credit. So, you get so full left, credit for I that scenario. I tw- left at least 12, probably 14 guys on base and went over. And you five. stepped away shortly And that was thereafter? it. Just like literally took off my cleats on yeah. first base. I was going to say, you, I left them goodbye, on first base. Goodbye, goodbye, cool world <laughs> of baseball. There's a, there's a difference between walking away and being asked to go away. I think <laughs> Phil and I have talked about this on the podcast. We are both asked to please go go away. Which is why I retired. Which is why I retired in Little League, so I was never had to be asked because parents are like, you're awful. And so now we just judge baseball players from afar. I told Judd this the day after the Twins waved the white flag trade deadline. So, you know, whatever, two, two, three weeks ago. And it was two weeks ago. I said they can still make the playoffs if four things happen from this point going forward, which I wouldn't put all my money on these things to happen, but they're all kind of happening right now. Said Byron Buxton has to play really well the next two months. He has been. The Twins have to feast on the weaker part of their schedule now that they're past Yankees and Dodgers and Astros. They have. And the mediocre teams near them in the standings have to remain mediocre. And they have. Royals lost a bunch of games. Rays lost a bunch of games. The fourth component was Jose Barrios, and he's pitched poorly, but... I mean, they're still in this thing, and it ain't going to take 92 wins to get that second wild card spot. So, yeah, I, I agree with all of that. I would extend the Barreos point actually beyond, and I would say the pitching staff because who expected this out of Bartolo Colon? I think even when Derek Falvey was sitting there talking about signing him to the minor league contract and saying, "Well, you know, there's some underlying indicators that he's been a little unlucky in Atlanta. That's why he has an 8.14 ERA." I think he was serious and sincere when he said that, but I don't think he was saying, okay, so we're going to count on him to be a rotation rock for us. He's going to pitch a complete game in about two weeks. And, <laughs> well, the yeah. last, and then follow that up with another great performance over the weekend. The last two weekend. starts have been fantastic. Right. He, he had, so he, he pitched uh, two starts ago against Texas. Gave up, what, four in, in the first? He gave up four early, I believe, Derek. Settled down, pitched a bleep and complete game through like 110 pitches, and then he comes back against the Brewers, mm-hmm. and it's fantastic. He yeah. shoves, yeah. So I'd extend the Barrales point beyond just the youngster. I'd say the rotation needs to hold up. And we've kind of seen the bullpen waver a little bit. It's been okay. I mean, Trevor Hildenberger gets the four-out save, and I like his stuff. Um, you know, Matt Belisle had a couple of good outings, but then there's the oh, crap outing. Which you could see coming, by the way. Oh, he was 10 miles away. two overdue for yeah, that to happen. That was not yeah. a shock. Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of game that you win if you have Brandon Kinsler at the back end of your bullpen. 
a lot more often than if you have Matt Belisle at the back end of sure. your bullpen. So, so there's still question marks for me, and most of them, just like in spring training, stem back to the pitching staff, both starting rotation and bullpen. But the other three things on your list, Phil, I think are going to continue to play like that. They're all trending in the Twins' direction. The big, big, big underlying question that we won't be able to answer today is how will the pitching staff hold up not only starters, but also that back end of the Twins' bullpen. To that point, um, I, I feel like there's two tracks here. One is the sort of the fun bounce-back Twins, and you say, hey, you know, they get down 5 nothing and come back, and they can win games. Uh, the other track is actual long-term concerns, development of things. Okay, What do you make of Barrios' last two starts? And, and furthermore, what do you make of his last, let's say, two months? Because there's been a level of inconsistency there, which is probably not shocking, but when you see him get down in back-to-back games, five zip, you also don't say it's no big deal. So if you if we are to remove for a second the feel-good goggles of 2017 and say, okay, let's break this down as far as long-term potentials, and Boreas is a guy that we're talking about flat out within a year's time being your staff ace potentially, what do you make of those starts, Derek? So two starts ago, you said you can't just brush it off and say no big deal. Two starts ago, I brushed it off and said no big deal. Okay, So it, it's... You give up a two-run bomb and a three-run bomb in the first inning. Okay, defense doesn't help you out behind you. Well, all right. There's not a lot you can do about that. And yes, uh, was it yesterday? They're, yes. they're running together. The Barreos, Saturday. Saturday's yep. Barreos start, thank you, where he falls behind again, 5-0 in the first inning. And I'm thinking to myself, let's see how he responds to this because that's a lot more important to me than just you know, oh this happened he's he's blowing up all right it's it's over you can't win today how does he come out in the second inning how does he come out in the third how deep does he go into this game from that perspective yeah you don't love the ERA that he's had over the past 2 months or so but i think he's become a lot better at responding to some of this adversity and that's a positive step now the next step obviously is to get rid of the adversity like we saw him at times this year where he was the man in a rotation with Irvin Santana he was their best pitcher and I think you want to get back to that next year if you're the Twins. But last uh, this this weekend, his his most recent start, I don't think that's a big deal in a vacuum. I don't think it's that big of a deal on its own because he did show the fastball. He hit the glove for the most part. The big thing that he didn't have, and I think Torrey Hunter was pointing this out on the broadcast, his breaking ball was totally inconsistent. When it's at its best, he has two different breaking balls, sort of a horizontal one and then a vertical hammer. Both of those are swing and miss pitches. Over the weekend, he didn't have it. Couldn't throw it for strikes when he needed to. Couldn't get swings and misses. That's why he didn't see the strikeouts. And I don't. I just don't think that's something that's going to perpetuate. That doesn't continue forever. So he'll eventually have the feel for that pitch. And I, I am curious to see how he goes the rest of the way. But I'm not by any means sounding the alarms. Sorry to disappoint you. So Chad. here's another another one another one of these key guys. So that's Barrios, Byron Buxton since July 1st. So we're talking six weeks. And he did miss some chunk of time in there. He missed like a couple weeks. So it's not a full, it's like 23 games. But he's batting 347, getting on base at a 400 clip. Uh, he's drawn eight walks in those 23 games. The strikeouts are under one strikeout per game. And so there's not, it's, it's not the guy that we saw last September, but it's definitely a guy who's making a lot more contact. Yeah. I think his, if you look over the weekend, his two biggest, most clutch hits were both up the middle into opposite field, the home run to right center field, 
And then the uh, the single that put the Twins in front 5-4 to four yesterday was just a pitch that he stayed back on and poked it up the middle of the field. And this is what we need to see from him for the yeah. next two months. I know there are some people that are really upset with the fact that he's done away with a leg kick and that he's not trying to be you know, the power-hitting guy who maximizes his potential. But I actually kind of like what James Rousen and the Twins have done with Buxton because none of that potential matters if he's not making contact more regularly. Yeah. And that is sort of the foundation of the house. If uh, if Miguel Cabrera as a hitter is a house, the foundation is his, his hand and eyes, his ability to just make contact. Then the next thing is kind of like his balance, maybe the the – the walls are, and the support structure are his pitch recognition yeah. and his planning. And then you put in a roof with some fancy shingles. Well, that's his power to right center field. But he can take a pitch on his hands and knock it out of the ballpark the other way. That I mean, you just built the perfect mega mansion yeah. hitter, Miguel Cabrera. Without the foundation, that fancy roof doesn't matter. Like He could still at some point in three years... If he's got that foundation of being able to make contact and hit for some average at least. Recognize pitches. That's a big part. Exactly. Couldn't he then at some point, once he's got all that down in year, in 2018 or 19, maybe tweak the mechanics a little bit again to maximize more power? Right. Right? Sure. To me, I think that this conversation sort of dovetails. It, it, It can go one of two ways. You can either try to maximize the potential and make him into a power hitter, which I think he definitely has the capability of being. I talked to somebody with the Twins two years ago who said, even when he was striking out all over, totally overmatched, said, this guy's going to hit home runs in the big leagues. Like, it's going to surprise you because you just see him as a speed guy. Mm-hmm. He will hit home runs. So is he a, is he like a 30-homer hitter? Well, that seems, that seems like pie in the sky, but maybe you shoot for that path and you hope that that's his trajectory. The problem is, along the way there, if he doesn't get this contact and pitch recognition and preparation for each plate appearance if he doesn't get that stuff down well not only is he not going to make it he's basically going to be a useless hitter who also can't get on base but if you go this other path where you build the foundation of contact pitch recognition tracking pitches drawing walks being a more of a complete hitter even if it's a little bit of a slap hitter Mm -hmm. and up the middle right center field if you lay that foundation the worst case scenario is that he's a slap hitter who can get on base and use his great speed to steal and bases. That's, a, that's fine. I, and there's still but, the upside of the power hitter we, that Phil's talking but about. But we have sat here on numerous occasions and talked about Buxton and Aaron Hicks and, and the need for patience. Ultimately, the biggest need for patience, if you think a player has that, is power. Mm-hmm. I mean, Puckett, look at Puckett's I was, career. I was just going to bring up Puckett. I brought his numbers up here. In Puckett's first almost 300 games... He hit four home runs, mm-hmm. and so and, and again, this is apples to oranges to some degree. Four home runs in his first two full seasons, and then at age twenty six, he added the power mechanism, and it was thirty one home runs, and there was no looking back from right. there. He was one of the best players in the history of baseball for that next eight to ten years. And, but if Buxton, okay, worst case, let, let's say he becomes a productive batter, but he doesn't have power, okay. Yeah, he's still incredibly fast yeah. and productive. So, but let's say it takes three or four years. That's fine too. I will say this: as a guy who criticizes a lot, I absolutely praise Buxton, and I don't think we understand what we're watching defensively right now. 
He made another catch Friday. This isn't just good. I yeah. mean, th- this isn't. Oh, that's impressive. Like Torrey Hunter is giving standing ovations and, to some of and these And ba- basically what Torrey's saying is he's getting to baseballs I never got to. Yeah, I mean, forget right. about the catch itself. He's saying he's reaching. He's giving him chance. But when you look at Buxton and how he plays that position and how, and I mean, this it's dangerous, but at times what he's willing to do with his body to try to catch balls. I don't think we have a true appreciation right now of the greatness of a defensive player that we're watching. I really don't. Yeah, but double-edged sword, because I watch Buxton play center field with this sort of reckless abandon, and I can't help but thinking when he crashes into a wall, one of those times is going to cost him three months. You know, I, I don't know when it is. I don't know what the injury is going to be, but you can't just run in, even though there's a bunch of padding out there, and Major League Baseball's done a pretty good job of making it safer out there for center fielders. Uh, for any outfielder, actually. But I just, man, it makes you nervous. Yeah, he's going to track down a lot of balls. You know and what? I think. Enjoy it. Relax. All right. Oh, well, exactly. oh <laughs> sis, here we go. You. Yeah, yeah. Play, hey, Dave, do you have oh, the Curb Your Enthusiasm good. music? I couldn't help, Please I couldn't bring help that myself. Up. Yeah, Judd Jud telling, Jud telling Derek to relax <laughs> about relax. Byron Buxton's Enjoy recklessness it. in center field. Did you see that catch on Friday? Yes. Wait, aren't you? Didn't Judd, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but didn't Judd spend the first two months of the season. Asking, yes, asking Dan Gladden basically every week, yes, would, you, would you tell Byron Buxton to pump the brakes a little bit in center field? <laughs> I have a write that down that's still in play that Buxton will be on the disabled list at some point this All year right. from crashing into a fence. Okay, well, Judd, you're right. I'll, <laughs> I'll, sorry, Derek. I'll I couldn't help down. myself. I'll calm down. Uh, if, you so wanna, negative. if you want to talk twins, the question is, are you, you know, to what degree are you are you back in on this team? So we can wrap with your calls and more with Wetmore from the Touch Em All podcast and 1500ESPN.com. So we got Wetmore in here. He's not as into Peekaboo, but he he's into the oh, Twins, yeah. and he writes about them for 1500ESPN.com and the Touch Em All podcast. Let's take a couple phone calls here. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Mike, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey, guys. Good conversation. Thanks, man. Yeah. Hey, I just have a couple comments, kind of an observation from the weekend. Uh, I... I don't know, like, the back history, you know, with our boy Santana is, does he have a history when he was with Anaheim when he has a kind of a bad couple batters, he just goes downhill for about 10 minutes and then he snaps out of it? Or you know, that that's a... a theme because he's been struggling since the All-Star break when he gets a bad inning. And I'm yeah. kind of curious, is that his little you know, mantra, what he's got going on now or what? Uh, that's kind of a concern. And the other is... I love Buxton, man. Just get on base and just run like the wind. <laughs> He's got twenty steals. Yeah, thanks for the phone call, Mike. On Irvin, I don't. I'm not going to pretend to have watched him start by start in Anaheim or Kansas City or Atlanta, but his ability to have runners on second, third, and one out, and 65 pitches in the third, and still be able to get two strikeouts and not have it be an eight-run blow-up. He's and it's probably just he's been in the league since he was 22 years old. He entered the league in 2005, so he's kind of figured things out, but. He's able to limit damage a lot more than other pitchers would be able to. Yeah, I think that uh, the point you're making on communication or um, concentration is the word I was looking for. Where, like, if he has a bad couple of hitters and then it seems to extend, I don't think that's a mental thing. I think you won't find a pitcher more rock solid mentally than Irvin Santana. Maybe Bartolo Colon. But they're, like, the guys at the pinnacle of this mountain of don't let anything that just happened Phase you. So I don't think it's a mental thing. I think if you see him struggling for a stretch of batters, mm-hmm. it all goes back to the basic tenet, fastball command. Sometimes that command eludes him. Watch where Castro sets up his glove. If Santana misses on the other side of the plate, that's because he doesn't have his best command that day. And I think that does play out over multiple innings. But to Phil's point, he has been pretty good, even on the days that he mm-hmm. doesn't have his best stuff. 
he still gets through a, a reasonable amount. The the blowups are challenging to deal with when he goes five innings and give up, up six runs. Yes, that's that's kind of just been a disappointing part of this season for Santana, but. Mm-hmm. In general, I think you'd ride with him in terms of mentality. Can you guys help me? Jimenez in the fifth yesterday with three pass balls. I can't help you there. That was, uh, was, can't help that you. was really weird. I, I don't weird. understand what happened. I wrote about it for five thoughts. Yeah, today, I read it, but just, it was oh, thanks. It was biz- it was good stuff. Just the fact Bizarre, that though. the fact that it was uh, four pitches that really could have all been pass balls. I get one of them's called a wild pitch because yeah. when, when it bounces in the dirt, by rule, it. yeah, by rule you have You're to right. give it a wild pitch. But it was I think. I don't think it was getting crossed up. I think that they had their plan, and there were a couple that were just fastballs. And Jimenez was sitting there ready for him, Torrey's, and didn't catch him. Tori speculated that there, there was something in his line of sight yeah. that was causing and, problems. And, and I wouldn't know that. But I, that was I wasn't bizarre. there. Uh, let's take one more phone call here. Howard in Chicago. You're on with Mackie and Judd. Wetmore, what's up, Howard? First of all, we feel for you, and you know, sorry for your loss. It's, it's going to take a while to get over. Thanks, Howard. I appreciate it, man. Okay. Uh, I think the maybe the hidden... Shock with the Twins might be September one when they bring up a couple of these pitchers because they have guys whether it's and I'm going to pronounce Kislavis's name incorrectly where they have guys more than they can put in the bullpen and just throw for a half an inning or mm-hmm. an inning. Their bullpen seems worn out, and even though we've had a good run last week, week and a half, I think that's going to make a big difference. Also, one more hitter, and I, I don't know why Granite's not up. And I would send down Grossman. I'm not a big Grossman fan, and maybe I'm, maybe I'm missing it. But even defensively, Grossman can't play. And I'd, I'd rather have Granite there as my fourth outfielder and my backup DH than Grossman. Uh, Howard, thank you for the the condolences and the and the question. We have like a minute left here, but Derek and I are all aboard the Grossman on base train. So we, we are coming off that now. I, my, I guess let's wrap with this: the, his question about Gonsalves and Fernando Romero. Gonsalves is at AAA now. Mm-hmm. They could get a boost from one of those guys in September. Yeah, I don't know if it's in the starting rotation or, as Howard mentioned, maybe in the bullpen. Then it becomes the age-old question of, do you trust a guy who's not David Price to come up and just be a trusted reliever for you? I I don't know, and, and I don't know that they would do that. I don't know what their thought process is. But on Romero, I think I'd be a little more surprised to see him because it seems like they've been limiting his innings pretty much this year, and he's not a AAA, unlike Insolve. So... Yes, they could get a boost from down in the minor leagues. Or, hey, go grab somebody on the waiver wire. Make this team better. Yeah. Nothing right. to lose, Derek, at this point. House money. Nothing to lose. House money. Derek Wetmore, Touch Thank Em All you. Podcast, 1500ESPN.com. You can find our podcast, Mackie and Judd, on iTunes, on our show page at 1500ESPN.com. And we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A dual operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23.